Jesus heals them. And he's brought before the brought before the council there, and they say, who did this to you, you know? Um, he, even his parents were put on trial about it, and, you know, they, everyone's just kind of shunning him away because this Jesus was, was bad business to be around at the time. And, you know, who did this, and what did he say? What was he about? What was he wearing? Who was he with? Where was he going? And God said, man, I don't care. I don't know. All I know is once I was blind, and now I see. <laughs> Amen. Close the door, I'm out. Pretty simple testimony. Once I was blind, and now I see. You know, and, and the, the testimony, the, the topic of a testimony, the thought of a testimony, what a testimony is, is covered from Genesis all the way to, through Revelation. We are a testimonial people. We are to live a life of testimony. Your testimony is a process. Your testimony is not just that moment in time that you say, oh, I was once this way and now I'm this way. It is the continuation of living that out day after day. And also one of the biggest tragedies we have is not knowing that you're in the moment of testimony. Your actions are being mirrored and seen by so many people that we never know. And we are in the moment of testimony so much and we don't even realize it. You see, we have a God, and please be with me on this, we have a God that stands on just the moment of, of our earthly perception and heavenly reality. You see, we have a moment of chaos and God stands in the middle of that to the other side of glory. We are sitting right here of, oh my God, what do we do? How is this going to work out? I don't know. And God says, it's already been paid for. It's already been done. We stand over here and say, God, what's going to happen? I'm scared. I'm nervous. Or I've got this under control. And he says, oh no, you don't. And he stands on the opposite side of what we cannot see. Let me tell you something. When we stop allowing the testimony to happen, when we stop looking for the testimony, then we, in a sense, take up the position of God's not capable. I'll tell you this much. This is the word for me. Friday night, I sat in the middle of a field about 11 o'clock with a brother who's wanting to leave his wife. Start anew. Start a new ministry. And I told him, as I was on my knees, that very bright night, Friday night was just a bright moonlit night, you guys were aware, and a cool breeze began to stir and began to blow. And it was a low breeze on the ground, and I just felt it, and it just blowed up through my hair. <laughs> kind of deflected and went different ways. And I was on my knees praying for my brother, and he stood there with his hardened heart of she just won't listen. And I asked the question. I said, what if God took that position with us? What if God said enough? You know, you unfaithful bride, the church. I'm just going to leave my presence from, I'm just going to leave, and then I'm going to start all over again. What would we do? We would wind up, not just with a failed marriage, but we would wind up failing in our life. Everything about us would never be right again because the presence and power of God has left us. But praise the Lord, we don't have a God who does that. Praise the Lord, we have a God who is long-suffering. He is just putting, I'm going to slow down. You're 
your life is in absolute chaos, but I will bring order if you just allow it. And the point that my brother had to get to, and I prayed for him that night. And I, we left, and I don't know where he left. I don't know if he just agreed so I would shut up and stop praying, and I'd get off the ground so we could get home and get some sleep, and I'd let him go home. I don't know if he ever got to the point, but the point he needed to get to was, you're right, Matt, my marriage is too much of a wreck. I can't fix it. You're right, she won't listen anymore. You're right, this disease is non-curable. You're right, the finances are absolute bankrupt. You're right, there is no more flesh to be grown. You're right, there is no more answers to this problem. And what we have to get to as believers is that's when God says, now I can come in and let's start a testimony. And that's where we're going to pick up the scriptures today is the testimony is what we have. It's by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony that Jesus Christ is faithful. And Jesus the Christ is able. Turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 2. Paul is writing this to Timothy's young brother that he's mentoring. And you've got to understand, Paul is in chains when this is being written. Paul has been beaten at this time. Paul's testimony could have gone a whole different way. Paul's testimony could have changed. If he, Paul would have used earthly wisdom at the time, Paul could have gone in, you know, a whole different direction in his life. Paul has what we would equate equate today with a triple PhD. Now, this was no dummy. This is a brilliant man, a triple PhD. I went to Haiti with a fellow who was a medical doctor and a, an attorney. Went to medical school and law school. I asked him, I said, brother, what do you do when you're at the top of two food chains? Do you turn inward and bite on yourself? He says, yeah, I'm my own worst enemy. <laughs> you know, this guy had equivalency of, of, of three PhDs, and, and let me tell you, I went six and a half years on that bachelor's program, <laughs> and, and finally they let me go. <laughs> Praise the Lord, they sent me out of the way, so other so other kids could come to go to school. And this brilliant man, and you know the scriptures says, "I count all that as rubbish, as garbage. I count all of that." None of that means nothing to me. And he's talking to his young brother. In verse 1, we'll just start with there, chapter 2. You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust them to reliable men um, who will also be qualified to teach others. Endure hardship with us like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Let me, um, you know what, let's, let's back up to, ver to chapter 1. Let's back up to chapter 1. Because that's really where his testimony begins. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, 
by the will of God according to the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, my dear son, grace, mercy, and peace from God, the Father, in Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve as my forefathers did with a clear conscience as night and day. I constantly remember you in my prayers, recalling your tears. I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I have been reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I am persuaded now lives in you also. Amen. Father, I pray that you would take this and continue running with it, Lord, and I would not get in the way. You know, there's a, there's a message right there that there's a lineage of faith, that your testimony didn't just start the moment that you had a bad re- report card. Your testimony didn't just start the moment that you walked in that doctor's office and things didn't go the way we wanted. You know, your testimony didn't just start the day you came home and y'all started fussing and fighting and not getting along. You have a lineage of faith. Somewhere along the line, you have someone that has prayed earnestly for you. I remember when my daughter was, um, Marion was just a little baby. We were in the uh, mall down in Lafayette, and this old priest came up. And this old guy came up to me, and he's, he's got a cane in his hand, and he's just wobbling to me. And I'm like, what am I, who do I hold, the baby or the old man is falling, you know? And about the time he gets to me, he reaches out these old trembling arms, and he reaches out his old trembling arms, and it's, it's kind of scary. Because I'm not going to give him, it's my first baby, I'm really not just going to give it to a stranger. And something came over me. And I, so I held that little baby and presented him, her to him. And, and an older woman, uh, who's a nun, came up and she said, let him bless your child. That's what he's here for. And this old man, this old priest took Mary and my little girl, and he just blessed her. He mumbled something over, half Cajun, half French, half Latin, half whatever. And he just mumbled over. I knew it was all good. And her lineage began with that. And he prayed for her. And I left, and I, and I left from that. You know, and, and she'll see him one day. She'll see him one day. You know, we have people, my very father prayed for me. When my father's uh, life was riddled with alcoholism and riddled with abuse and caused unspeakable uh, trauma to me and my family as we were growing up. And, 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 you know, my older brothers still bear the scars of this today in their families and, and even my own little issues we deal with. And my father got saved later in his life. And within five years of salvation, the Lord called him to be in heaven. And during that time of his salvation, he prayed for me. And he would send me scriptures. And he left his Bible for me with hidden messages. You see, my lineage didn't just start the day that I was 15 years old and walked down that aisle of Cook Baptist Church in Ruston. I had a lineage of people praying for me. And if you were on that side of the lineage, if you were praying for somebody, if there's somebody that God has laid on your heart, you be faithful to them. Because there's a testimony that will bring God glory. You may never know it, but God will. And that's what it's about. And I'm going to ask you, do you know somebody that you can be praying for at this moment? And you may never get the credit. You may never know. You may die before they grow up. I baptized Marion outside of a school in freezing cold water in a portable baptistry. And that old man was guaranteed long dead. But he was in heaven when they celebrated. Amen. We are to be that. Paul sees that. 
Paul's testimony is not just for his life. Paul's testimony is for our life and everyone's life. And, he, and, and his, his dear young brother, Timothy. I'm persuaded that this lives in you also. For this reason, I remind you to fan the flame, the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of hands. For God did not give us a spirit of tim- timidity or, or timidity or fearfulness, but a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline. What's the blueprint to get out of this jam I'm in? It's acknowledged. You can preach those three points if you want to be a good preacher. Love. Focus on the love of Christ. It is a gift of God, as the scripture says. Paul is imparting this to this young man. It is a gift. My love for you is a gift. I loved you before you first loved me. I came to you before you came crawling to me. I died long for you long before you were ever even conceived so that you may live when you die. Wrap your mind around that, earthling. I love you. It's a gift. Meditate on that power, the power of the Holy Spirit, the power to see and be bigger than the moment, the power to know that God is in control and we're not, the power to give our life fully over to him. And you see, when you give your life fully over to him, all you are is a servant to the Lord Jesus. And Jesus says, you want to see power? I'll, I sit on a throne surrounded by angelic creatures that are described in here, but you even, you know, there's a spiritual blindness. You can't even imagine them. They talk about the eyes over there, I mean, the hands over the eyes and the wings, and we try to put it in where we can't, honestly, tell me you can ever picture that in your mind. You can't because it's too glorious for us to see. And Jesus the Christ sits on that throne at this very moment, and it rumbles with all the authority of heaven. And he says, that's power. You want to know what power is? You know, and I've got, and, and I, I hold the keys to heaven and earth in my hand, and the judgment of the Lord is given to me to pass out on all these nations. No king will rise without my say-so. No kingdom will fall without my say-so. That's power. God says, you want to see what power is? You, believer, want to know the power to get through this time to help be on the other side of a testimony? You know what the power is? To get on my knees and wash your feet. To lay down my life for you. To stretch out my hand and say, put the nail right there. Put it. No, you mock me and laugh at me. I'm about to forgive you. That's power. That is unbridled, raw power. How do we get through this moment in life? By acknowledging the love of God. By operating in the power. And self-discipline. You know, you can have a finely tuned image, a finely tuned machine. But it's going to take some tinkering with it from time to time, isn't it? <laughs> you got to keep it running just right. You got to keep those plugs hitting just right. I'm not a mechanic, so who knows what I'm about to say. Keep that engine working. Just got to be fed with the right amount of hay or something. I'm not really sure. But you know what I'm getting at. There's a discipline in your life that you need to adopt and take on, take a hold of. Hey, don't let me fix anything you got. <laughs> don't bring any mechanical thing to me. There's a physical discipline, a spiritual discipline that we must, you know, take and operate in. 
and you are blessed for that. Yes, God gets the glory, but it's so much more fun when you're working with the Lord. I heard Pastor Brad say something one time that just rocked my world. I've never forgotten it. It happens almost every week he preaches. But this particular time, he says, you know, one of the, one of the greatest joys of a fisherman is not so much to catch the fish as it is to have a fish on a line, give it to the child and say, now, now you reel it in. Y'all remember that? I get that because I'm a fisherman. My daddy was a fisherman. Every time I put a line in the water, I connect with him. So I get that. There is a discipline that we must follow to grow in our faith. Here we go. So do not be ashamed to testify about the Lord or ashamed of me, his prisoner. But join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God who has, served, who has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything that we have done, but because of his purpose and grace, this grace which was given in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time, but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. One of the greatest tragedies is to turn away from your testimony. Let that soak in for a minute. To turn away from a testimony because the fire just got a little too hot in the kitchen. Because the work just got a little too long. Because the effort got a little too great. To throw in the towel before you got one more swing in. What a great tragedy. When if knowing that everything in this from cover to cover is absolutely true, and a God who stands on this side, who is with you, never forsaking you, even before you loved him, even though you may be denying him or, or questioning his very existence, he is sheltering you out of his love because he knows on this side there is glory. And during that time, if you say, you know, I'm just not going to do it, you miss a testimony. I wasn't there when your husband was injured in that accident. But I bet if you were here, he would tell you of a moment in his conscious mind, he said, I'm going to live. He had the choice to die. I've seen it. We do all the time. We have a choice to go through or to back away. Real power, real love the discipline that Jesus showed and the restraint that he showed. Discipline means you never lose sight of the goal. You want to start an exercise program? They say you got to be dis disciplined to finish it. It doesn't mean when you lose five pounds you can stop. It means whatever your goal is, you pursue to the end. You know, you watch a athletic competition, one recently I can think about, where discipline makes a difference, whether to put a forth a little extra effort, or to hold, or to not hold, or to release, or to not release. Discipline in the moment makes a difference between winning and losing, when all things are equal. Never lose sight 
of the end game, of the goal. Jesus understood that had he called down those angels in the Garden of Gethsemane, the 12 legions that he spoke about to Peter, the 12 legions, which roughly, what is that? A legion is 70,000, is that right? Something like that? Thousands of angels? Had he done that, had he allowed Peter to continue the fight and let discipline, discipline break down, we would not have that salvation that we have today. There had to be that time of trial for his disciples to see. There had to be that time of uncertainty for his followers to witness. There had to be that time to go through for the true spirit of the Lord, that day of Pentecost, to settle in on the people. Had they not been in that upper room at that moment, we would not have the gifts that we have today. There had to be a systematic order that only God could see in the end before we could. Because the same crowd that said, Hosanna, Hosanna, here he comes. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He's going to free us from these Romans. Those very same people lost discipline. They lost focus of what the Messiah is for. They, lost, forget, they forgot what Emmanuel meant. And then they began to just a few short days later say, crucify. The system broke down. Paul's telling his young brother, and as the gospel, I was appointed as a herald, as a preacher, and as apostle, and as a teacher. That is why I'm suffering as I am. Yet I am not ashamed because I know who I believe and whom I believe. And I am convinced that he is able to guard what, I have, what he has entrusted me for that day. I can tell you, when I was in Haiti, there's very few times in your life where you know you're in a dangerous spot. I mean, let's just be honest, right? I mean, you know, metaphorically speaking, yeah, we're dangerous every time, you know, we get in a car and drive and all. You know, we know space junk can fall out of the sky and land on us. You know what I mean? We, 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 we get that. But there's very few times that you actually sit around and you think, I'm in a bad spot. You know, so here I am in a little plywood shack with a tin roof in Haiti as a hurricane decides to come through. Remind me to check the weather channel next time. So I'm down there, and we're going through that, and I, and I can feel that this is not a good, safe place to be. And at the same time, the Spirit of the Lord overcomes me, and I knew that I knew that I knew I was absolutely protected. I knew that I knew that I knew that there was a mission and a purpose and a goal for me there at that time, I had no fear. I mean, I had a healthy fear. You know, I saw 10 flying through the air. That's pretty healthy reality check. But I never thought I wouldn't make it home. There's very few times. And that's what he's saying. I'm in chains, but guess what? It's okay. That, that doesn't matter. It's for the glory of God. If we look for our testimony for our personal gain, he would have cashed in on that triple Ph.D. and would have got a high-paying job with at least four weeks vacation. You understand? If he saw things through the earthly mind, he would have said, well, you know, we can continue worshiping. We can continue do, being a good guys. We can continue going to church and going to the synagogue. But let's not really sell out because, you know, our Christmas bonus is coming in a few weeks, and we don't want to blow that. 
He didn't say that. He says, I'm in, baby, and I'm all in. I give it all. I lay it all out. I count it all as rubbish. I would do all things. My life will be a drink offering poured out for the glory of the Lord, a fragrance. And when it's over, I will have run the good race. You see, young man, follow what I'm doing and entrust these things to other people. And we have been men of witness, and you can see us, and this is how we do it. He's teaching this young brother. His life is a testimony. Let me finish with this. What you have heard me say, keep as a pattern of sound teaching with faith and love in Christ Jesus. Guard the good deposit that is entrusted in you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. Guys, you have been given an absolute gift. The gift, if all he ever did was no more blessings, it's enough to praise him with your every breath. But he didn't. God's love doesn't just stop at the time that you stand up and a husband and wife get married and he slips that ring on and do you take? Yes, I take. Better or worse? Yes, goodness of health? Yes. And all that. Pronounce you man and wife. Love doesn't stop there, does it? It continues to grow. And it continues to love and develop into something new and shape and change through good times and bad times. And the Lord says, my love just didn't stop at your salvation. It really just began. We're about to fall in love all over again. You go to sleep and you wake up and I've got a new blessing for you. Right now, we're living in a testimony. Each one of us, our life is a testimony. I'm going to read a psalm, Psalm 145. It's a psalm of David. It's a testimony of David of God's great love. And then we're going to actually see a visual demonstration of that. We're going to witness a baptism today. We're going to witness an outward expression of an inward decision. You know, I wear a wedding ring to tell people I'm married. I don't have to, but I like to. Okay? You don't have to be baptized to be saved, but you want to be baptized to let people know this is the decision I've made. This identifies me. It's just what we do. I didn't have to walk across that stage after six and a half years to show I graduated, but Lordy, I sure did. After six and a half years, you know I did. I was proud to say I did it. <laughs> Every step of the way, acted a fool. I wanted everyone to know I was not ashamed of the effort that was placed in me. As a believer in Jesus Christ, we are not ashamed of the gospel. As a believer, we are not ashamed of the moments trial and temptation, turmoil, confusion that we may be going through. As a believer, we are not ashamed of the promise of the resurrection that will come again. We are not ashamed of the promise of healing that will happen. We are not ashamed of God. Was got a text from a dear friend of mine I've known for almost five years now, and I've blown so many opportunities to witness to this brother. I've had so many chances that I've blown it. I've had it right there to share the gospel, and I didn't for one reason or another, or I sugarcoated it this way or this way, but I just never did it. And God worked in his heart, and he sent me a text. It was 1121, something at night. I woke up my wife, and I read this text to him, and he felt as though that he had a vision from the Lord that at the end of times his family went to heaven, but he couldn't. He was held back by sin. 
and I let Melissa read it. And Melissa said, well, you better get dressed and go on over there. I was like, I'm sending him scriptures. He'll be fine. She said, you better get dressed and go on over there. So I get dressed to go over there, and we spend time together. And at 2.30 a.m., the back porch, brother receives Jesus. He received Jesus, and we begin to talk through what's going on with him. And he says these words, and they're beautiful because they're honest. And he says these words. I said, what's holding you back? And we read the scriptures that if you're saved, you're saved. And if God's promised you, no one can take it away. Went through all the scriptures. It just copied and pasted it, copied and pasted it. We read through each one of those on our iPhones together. He says, yeah, but I hate her. I said, you hate her? He's this grown professional man. I hate her. I hate what she did. I said, no, you don't hate her. You loved her. You married her at one point. You know, you have kids together. You don't hate her. We began to talk through that. And realize that he never did hate her. He hate what happened. And I heard him pray for forgiveness of her. That God would forgive her. And God would forgive him for the hate that he had. Man, we got up from that prayer. You know, almost 3 o'clock in the morning. It was bright as the noonday. God had worked a miracle in his life. He has a new testimony. There's a new brother in town with a testimony. And God gave me a testimony too. That I'm going to stop missing opportunities. I'm going to stop waiting for when it's convenient. I'm going to do whatever it takes to witness to people. My testimony is I almost blew it. But my God loves me so much, he gave me another chance. That this will be the one for you to lead to my salvation. Because I've worked in his heart. Matt, all you got to do is just tell the truth. David's testimony. Psalm 145. Let me just read this to you. I will exalt you, O God, the King. I will praise your name forever and ever. Every day I will praise you and exalt your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and most worthy to be praised. His greatness is one that no one can fathom. One generation will commend your work to another generation. They will tell of your mighty acts. They will speak of your glorious splendor and of your majesty. And I will meditate on your wonderful works. They will tell of the power of your awesome works. And I will proclaim your great deeds. They will celebrate your abundant goodness in the joyful song of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and compassionate. Oh, he is slow to anger. He is so rich in love. The Lord is good to all. He's good to all. He has compassion on everyone that he has made. All you have, excuse me, all, all you have made will praise you, O Lord. Your saints will exalt you. They will tell of your glory, of your kingdom, and they will speak of your might. So that all men may know your your majesty and your mighty acts and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your domain endures through all generations. The Lord is faithful to all his promises. Amen. His loving toward, he's loving towards all that he has made. The Lord upholds those who fall and he lifts those who are bowed down. The eyes of all look upon you and you give 
them food at the proper time and you open your hand and you satisfy the desires of every living thing, the Lord is righteous in all of His ways and loving towards all that He has made. The Lord is near to all who call on Him and all who call on Him in truth. He fulfills the desires of those who fear Him. Let me stop right there. Guys, I want you to know that if you call on the name of the Lord today, there is a healing for you. I'm not preaching a prosperity gospel. I'm not preaching a get-rich-quick gospel. I'm preaching a testimony in your life. Guys, we have an opportunity to have a testimony for the Lord Jesus. There should be nothing that excites us more than that. Hallelujah. There should be nothing that gives us more glory than that. Hallelujah. It makes the daddy happy. It makes the father happy. It's like me catching a 10-pound bass and giving it to my daddy in that experience I never had. Oh, but what if I had that? The joy I would have had. And we can satisfy our Heavenly Father right here today by giving that testimony. Of coming to Him and saying, Lord, I give you permission to heal. Because we can't. I give you permission to fix because I'm not capable. So you'll get the glory. That's a testimony. Need not be ashamed of it. Amen. Amen. Brother Will, thank you for the privilege of letting us watch this testimony of this life today. through her and stuff like that um, <laughs> and just everything that she's done um, kind of tell you a little bit about her testimony this she's a sophomore LC soccer player and one Monday we were having a college Bible study at Louisiana College and um, we were talking about Genesis 3 about the fall of Adam and Eve and she left there and uh, Iris, Iris is not here but uh, she just went to Iris and said man I, I, I want to change I want to be that new creation. I just, I want, I know that I've been sinful. And I just want what you guys have. I want to live with Jesus. And I'm going to be honest with you. She's been a testimony to me. Um, she, she's, she's shy, but it's awesome. <laughs> if you ever get to know her, it's just awesome because she's always full of joy. Before she got saved, she was full of joy. But man, when she got saved, it was it was ten times more joyful. And she has just been so amazing to me. She's so excited about this moment and different things like that. Um, the next I, the next week, I asked her. I said, "Okay, I want to tell you about getting baptized and stuff." And so I talked to her about it. That next Monday, she met me actually right here. She was like. I want to get baptized. I want my testimony to be known to everybody else. I want them to know what Jesus has done through me. And so, yes. <laughs> and so that's just kind of her testimony. Um, I encourage you. She's going to 
she's going to kill me about this. I encourage you to get to know her. She is just so amazing. <laughs> and she will be a blessing in your life. I guarantee it. baptisms again next week so if you want to be baptized and you feel the Lord leading you please see me or Pastor Ralph or Will or anybody let's get baptized if you've never been baptized um, we have a gentleman that came here about six weeks ago on a Wednesday night and we do the children's ministry on Wednesday night let's have a seat I'm sorry guys I got you all up and down up and down like uh, keep you awake and um he, and, and on Wednesday night is our children's and youth night. And we don't just let folks walk in off the street because it's just kind of, you know, weird because uh, we have adult Bible studies off campus. But on campus here, we have children's youth, youth nights. Um, but there was something about this brother. He just, he was staying over there at Comfort Inn. And um, where's Tyron at? He would just stepped outside. He connected with brother Tyron. And he told Tyron, he said, um, I could either go to church or get drunk. And um, Tyron said, well, come on in here. And Tyron spent time with Brother John and uh, spent the stayed shadowed him all night long. And he, he worshiped with us and the kids. And he sang the, the, the kids' worship and praise songs. And Brother had a wonderful time. And, and he never stopped praising the Lord when he left. And he calls me yesterday and says, I'm getting baptized. So this morning, that Brother John has got baptized in, Mrs. in uh, Alabama. Right. Give him a hand. So yes, salvation, salvation can even come to Alabama. So there's hope. So I was proud. I was proud for that. And I told him we'd celebrate that. So we're gonna, uh, brother Tyron, in a minute. Would you pray for John, for his for his life? Uh, brother Brad is sick. Uh, somebody pray for brother Brad. Who would pray for Brad this morning? Somebody. Clive, give him. Okay. And um, are there any other prayer requests that we had this morning? Brother Mike, thank you. Yeah, Brother Mike in the hospital. Um, so we'll pray for him. We, somebody want to pray for Mike? Will you pray for Mike? Okay, thank you, brother. Um, the elections, absolutely. Father, I just thank you for this day, dear Lord. And Lord, I pray for the elections, dear Jesus. Help us as a nation. Lord, your word says, so I know it's true, your word says that if your people who are called by your name, we claim to be one nation under God. So Father, your word says if your people who are called by your name 
would humble themselves and seek your face, you would hear from heaven and heal our land. Lord, our land is broken and torn with bitterness and strife, divisions of clarity, what direction we would go to as a, go as a nation. Father, I pray that you would unite that. Lord, help our nation. I pray that we would, on purpose, glorify you and not have to be brought to our knees to glorify you. But if that's it, then so be it. We want to glorify you. Help us, Jesus. And I pray salvation would come for Barack Obama and his family. And I pray for Mitt Romney and his family they would come to know you in a real, pure, non-religious or cultish way, but a personal relationship with you, Jesus, as their Messiah. Amen. Father, I just continue our prayer for my brother Brad. Father, I know he's not impervious. He's not bulletproof, Father. He's, he's a man who really loves you totally, and he's totally committed, and yet, Father, I just pray that you'd raise him up today, that that you would heal him and strengthen him for the task that's at hand. Father, we thank you for his dedication. We thank you for his commitment. But, Father, I pray that uh, that you would uh, heal him, Father, that you would raise him up, that he might be able to continue in this work. I thank you that you've sent him to us. I thank you for Christy. I thank you for that whole family, Lord. Be glorified in them, Father. I thank you for their testimony. I pray in Jesus' name. Guys, as we sing one last, one last real quick song of invitation, if we could, if you haven't given your life to Jesus, if you need a testimony in your life, I know it's run late. Please just come on down. Let's not miss it. I don't want to close the doors without giving that opportunity. And I apologize for not conducting this in a timely manner, but I want, to, I, I want you to have the opportunity to accept Christ or to come down and ask for prayer and for guidance and direction so that you can begin to live that new testimony as well.
all who are thirsty. Oh 